before we have prayer, I'm reading from Matthew 11:12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. This is what we're going to study tonight. The violent take it by force. Let us kneel. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, now that seems to delimit the period of application for this scripture, but it really doesn't. The Lord was focusing upon that period because it was during the time of his ministry and many had come in to the kingdom in this fashion. And he had uh, performed a good many miracles uh, that brought people to a realization of the fact that he was setting up the kingdom, that they were to press their way into the kingdom. But he didn't thereby exclude the period before John the Baptist, nor the period after his days. If he had done that, it had been preferential, that none would have been able to press their way into the kingdom before that, and none after that. So you can see that he didn't delimit the application of this scripture to that little period of time between the days of John and now, that is, now when he was speaking, which was not very long after that. That's the first thing you need to see, because some would limit the application of the scripture to that time because of what it says here. If we become extreme literalists, and we are not at pains to think into the deeper significance of scriptures, well, we can become pretty superficial and thus go off the track. This is a scripture that has caused many to misinterpret it, misunderstand it. It says, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. That certainly sounds bad. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Now, this doesn't sound as though it applies to God's people. It sounds as though that it applies to the enemy and all those who are serving him and who are trying to overthrow the kingdom. The violent are engaged in this operation here. But it isn't the violent of that kind. And the Spirit of Prophecy says it's spiritual violence. You all discriminate the difference. Now, if we were to translate the language that's used here into our language today, it wouldn't be violent. There'd be another word used. And now in the chain reference here in this Bible, the word importunity and spiritual striving are used for the word violent. Sister White uses the word violent and, and uh, tells us what it means. Well, you can see that this shows that the individuals who are uh, brought into uh, focus here are not lacking in energy, not lacking in enthusiasm, and not lacking in determination and and resolution and and uh, so on. Uh, what they're doing, uh, they're doing with all they have, with all their might. That's why the word valid is used here. But they are not looking at the matter and saying, well, this is a pretty tough job, and I guess we better go easy. It might fall and get hurt. They're not considering 
any such thing. Uh, they're pressing in as hard as they can press. says that the violent take the kingdom by force. Well, this is the only way we're going to get to the kingdom is to take it by force. No other way. No, the kingdom is barred to all who won't take it by force. Well, we want to see uh, what this really involves, taking it by force. And some examples. I'll read to you first from Life Sketches. Life Sketches, page 298, paragraph 1. In the beginning, the work goes hard. What's this call to your mind right away? Yeah, right. Goes very hard in the beginning. At Mount Carmel, we had an old brother. He was a bookkeeper and in charge of the mail. He gathered the mail. He'd go down over the hill every day and gather the mail in a little box and bring it back and sort it out. And then he was the bookkeeper in addition to that. But in addition to that, he was the mattock man. And he would he would go all over the hill digging up little roots that were sticking up. I never saw a place where there's so many little roots. I suppose because of a good deal of erosion through the years and uh, these bare roots had, had come up just like little nubbins they'd stick up and you could hit them with your toe and flip you over. Lots of people stumbled on them and I suppose I more than anybody else. Well, Brother Merrill used the mattock all the time he was there. He used the mattock. He dug up hundreds of these little roots. It was slow work, but he managed to get up a lot of them before he, he left Carmel. In the beginning, the work goes hard and slow. Now is the time when all should bend their shoulders to raise the load and carry it forward. Now that was a long time ago. A long time ago. And that was the time when all should bend their backs, bend their shoulders, and lift the load. Advance we must, though the Red Sea be before us, and impassable mountains on either side. God has been with us and has blessed our efforts. We must work by faith. How must we work? Well, what were they called upon to do when they got to the Red Sea? Get boats? By faith, what were they to do? Step right in. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. We are to pray, believe that our prayers are heard, and then work. What are we to do? We're to pray, then what? Believe that the Lord has heard us, and then sit down, then work. Now that's the prescription for lifting the load. Pray, pray once, pray twice, pray thrice, pray all the time. Pray, and then believe that the Lord has heard us, and then go to work. Now this is page 28 of 7a BC. Page 28, paragraph 0. Well, I'll read from page 27 to begin with. Let no one despair of gaining the victory. Victory is sure when self is surrendered to God. So what stands in the way of victory? Self. That's the only thing. Nothing else. Jacob was in fear and distress while he sought in his own strength to obtain the victory. He made a failure of his life all along the way. 
all along from the time that before he left home uh, to the time he left uh, Laban, all because of self got in the way. Jacob was in fear and distress while he sought in his own strength to obtain the victory. He mistook the divine visitor for an enemy and contended with him while he had any strength left. But when he cast himself upon the mercy of God, he found that instead of being in the hands of an enemy, he was encircled in the arms of infinite love. So it was either infinite love to uh, save him, or it was infinite power to destroy him, one of the two. He saw God face to face, and his sins were pardoned. How did he see God? Face to face. Now, he didn't see God on his throne in heaven. Whom did he see? He saw the angel of the Lord, captain of the Lord's host. He saw Christ. He saw God face to face. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, this is probably the best example that we can think of quickly of the application of this scripture. The violent take it by force. He got violent. He was determined, and nothing could withstand that determination. And this is the way God ordered it. This violence takes in the whole, whole, whole heart. What does this violence take in? The whole heart. Now you have to remember this, folks. This is what God calls for. The whole heart. But the violence is far more expressive. If this scripture had been re written differently, and take it with a whole heart, that's got, uh, it, it may mean nothing. It just may mean a, uh, an expression. Put your whole heart into it. It just rolls off like water off of a duck's back, as we say. But you take it with violence, then the whole heart means something. The phrase, the whole heart, means something then. And this violence takes in the whole heart. To be double-minded is to be unstable. To be double-minded is to be unstable. Well, maybe that's the way Eve was. She was double-minded. She was trying to, to have her cake and eat it too. Uh, there, in that case. A resolution, self-denial, and consecrated effort are required for the work of preparation. The understanding and the conscience may be united, but if the will is not set to work, we shall make a failure. Now, this is a very important statement. You won't find this statement anywhere else, I don't think, for she's coupled all three together. What does it say, first of all? What precedes the conscience? No? Let me reread it to you. The understanding and the conscience may be united. Well, now you may have good understanding and you may have a, a sharp conscience. The conscience may speak to you. They have a sensitive conscience, a good conscience, and a good understanding, and yet get nowhere because you lack will. This is why the Spirit of Prophecy says that it all resolves itself into what? Through the will, the exercise of the will. Religion has much to do the exercise of the will. So since our wills are not too good, too strong, 
then the Lord's made provision for us to get some help. So what do we say? Work in us both to will and to do. But we can't will, we can't do, unless the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives. When the Holy Spirit is thus operating, then we can will, because we have a good conscience to do it. We have the understanding of the need to do it, you see. But the understanding and the conscience are not enough. You know, I found this out many, many times. You must bring the will into play. And the will must have free exercise. But since the will is weak, then you must have help from God. So we ask God to come in now and work in us both to will and to do. Or if you have any problem that you can't solve, any uh, idol that you can't let go of, any weakness that you can't uh, find strength for to overcome, this is the only way you're going to do it. Will to let God come in and strengthen your will to do it, to work in you both to will and to do. Not only just to will, but to do is good pleasure. But if the will is not set to work, we shall make a failure. Now, the Spirit of Prophecy speaks of, of an enlightened conscience. Not everybody has an enlightened conscience. You know this? No, we don't have an enlightened conscience. People say, well, um, my conscience didn't tell me so. Go on. <laughs> you know very well that their conscience is not very enlightened about what they're talking. Enlightened, enlightened conscience is a, is a fine thing. Without enlightened conscience, we can't serve God. Well, it doesn't make any difference how strong our wills are. If our consciences are not enlightened, which way are we going to go? Wrong way. And the stronger our will, the further down the wrong way we'll go. Faster, too. But you see how important the will is. How important the conscience is. But what if we don't have understanding? Like a lot of these folks in the world today, they don't understand. So since they don't understand, they think now that the, the Holy Spirit is leading them to speak in tongues, uh, the jabber that they engage in, and so uh, their conscience tell them, now this is the thing to do because we understand that this is right, and so now we must will to do it. And pretty soon they are uh, talking in tongues. It's will worship. So it's a dangerous thing to, to worship your will and to to go according to a, an unenlightened conscience and a darkened understanding. Well, you see how important all the three are together? You must have a correct understanding, an enlightened conscience, and a strong will on God's side. Otherwise, it says, it's all in vain. You may as well forget it. Good to be enlightened. Good to know the facts. And then you can intelligently strive in the right way. But if the will is not set to work, we shall make a failure. Every faculty and every feeling must be engaged. Every faculty and every feeling must be engaged. Ardor and earnest prayer must take the place of listlessness and indifference. Ardor and what kind of prayer? Yeah. Ardor and earnest prayer must take the place of listlessness and indifference. Only by earnest, determined effort and faith, faith in the merits of Christ, can we overcome 
and gain the kingdom of heaven. Our time for work is short. Christ is soon to come the second time. What is short? Our time. You know, she wrote this a long time ago. Let's see. 1900. How many years ago? A long time ago. And how much truer this is today? Time is short. Christ is soon to come the second time. Time is short. I'm reading a statement here from uh, Sister White, uh, 1899, Review and Herald, February 14. With the great truth we have been privileged to receive. What's this take your mind to? In the statement in uh, uh, Code, Volume 12, Number 1, no. Number 2, is 12 Code 2 or 3, which is it? What does it say? The great, uh, vast, the vast amount of truth. It says that if others um, know this vast amount of truth, they would be amazed and confounded. Yes. Think of this now. The vast amount of truth we have. With a great truth we have been privileged to receive, we should, and under the Holy Spirit's power, we could, become living channels of light. says we should and we could become living channels of life. But what's in between the should and the could? Under the Holy Spirit's power. And the Holy Spirit's power is in the truth. That's why this is mentioned here. Now the only way to get the Holy Spirit's power in the truth is to get the truth in you. This is why you have to study. Fill your mind, fill your soul with the truth. Then the truth is going to impart power. So the reason we don't have all the power we need, all the light we need, all the sharp conscience, all the understanding, and all the uh, strong will that we need is because we don't have the truth. We have a theory of the truth in our minds, but we don't have the truth as a living agency in our life, as a power. This is the trouble, you see. Have it up here, but don't have it down here. And the time is short in which to rectify this imbalance. We could then, being living channels of light, we could then approach the mercy seat. This is an alarming statement. We could then approach the, the mercy seat. This tells us now that it's dangerous to approach the mercy seat if we don't know what we're doing. You don't approach the throne of God elsewhere, but you approach the mercy seat where God is, where Christ is. But to approach the mercy seat, you must have your sins forgiven. And you must be striving uh, to become a channel of light. We could then approach the mercy seat. And seeing the bow of promise, kneel with contrite hearts and seek the kingdom of heaven with a spiritual violence that would bring its own reward. This is why we don't seek the, key, the kingdom of heaven with a spiritual violence because we have not yet arrived at this point of dedication and surrender. When we have, then everything is going to possess us with a terrific power. It's going to lift us right out of ourselves. Just as the, uh, Philip was snatched up by the, the uh, forelock and, and transported. There'll be a great power take hold of us. Lift us up. Do things with us that we, in our listlessness now, can't dream of scarcely can scarcely dream of. 
I'll reread this. We could then approach the mercy seat and seeing the bow of promise, kneel with contrite hearts and seek the kingdom of heaven with a spiritual violence that would bring its own reward. We could take it by force to Jacob. Referring again to whom? Jacob. Jacob. Take it by force to Jacob. Well, I read this statement when I first became an Adventist many, many years ago. Now, I've never forgotten the statement, but I never yet have realized this, this same uh, surrender, complete, unconditional, always something wrong, always was something wrong with Jacob until this final moment, almost too late. When men are as devoted as Elijah was and possess the faith he had, God will reveal himself as he did then. When men plead with the Lord as did Jacob, the results that were seen then will again be seen. Power will come from God in answer to the prayer of faith. When men plead with the Lord as did Jacob. Now, Jacob didn't do this all along the way, yet Jacob was serving the Lord. From the very beginning, he loved the Lord and aspired to serve the Lord. And he wanted that birthright so bad he stole it. He, he, he got his conscience uh, fouled up. He got his understanding fouled up. He got his will fouled up. He was in a terrible mess, Jacob was. Nobody realizes how bad Jacob was, how bad off he was. His mother didn't, and his father didn't either. Nobody did. He was in a terrible condition. Only God knew how bad off he was. Jacob didn't realize it. So Jacob had to go through a terrible experience for years. And it seems as though the farther he went, the worse off he got. He made more and more mistakes. And those mistakes cost him dearly all his life. What a terrible experience he had because of his mistakes. But then finally, realization broke upon him. And then he began to plead. And it says, when men plead with the Lord, as did Jacob, when he realized it was too late, to depend any longer upon Jacob. Then he found himself in the arms of divine love, as we read. And then was salvation for him. When men plead with the Lord as did Jacob, the results that were seen then will again be seen. Now the Jacobites today are in the same predicament. They're just like a worm before God. Okay. And then you read the rest of that scripture and see what God says there. What are you going to make them? Uh, instead of their remaining a, a worm, what are they finally going to become? What does Isaiah say? A sharp, <coughs> yeah, a new sharp threshing instrument. Well, that's strange for a worm to teen, turn into a, a threshing instrument, but that's what happened. Power will come from God in answer to the prayer of faith. That was Gospel Workers 255 in paragraph 3. And this is 511, I think, of Ministry of Healing. 511 is paragraph 2. It was through prayer and faith that Jacob, from being a man of feebleness and sin, became a prince with God. Now, what was he? A man of feebleness and sin. He can't be any worse off than that. Feebleness and sin. 
You're just nothing. You're just a worm. Now, from being a man of feebleness and sin, what does he become? A princely God. You see the great metamorphosis that took place in that worm. He turned into a prince with God. But he suffered a great deal before then because he wouldn't let go of self. Now it says, we're just that way today. Just that way. And a typical Jacob. It is thus that you may become men and women of high and holy purpose, of noble life, men and women who will not uh, for any consideration be swayed from truth, right, and justice. A lot there to study and think upon. I'm going to go back here and read something more. This is Luke 13, 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Why? Why do they seek to enter in and are not able? But we got a letter today, for, not a letter, but something from a chap that was uh, in the message. At least he thought he was in the message, and I guess everybody else thought he was in the message. Well, I hadn't heard his name for quite a while. It hadn't occurred to me that we hadn't been hearing from him. Well, my wife says it's been over a year. He sent us back a little package of tracks today, and uh, he said that he was too busy now to, he didn't say fool around or trouble himself or something with the Davidian literature. And he was going to a deaconry, whatever a deaconry is. I, and he told us that uh, he was returning the tracks because he was not interested in or not able to take time to read them anymore. He was in this deaconry. And he said, uh, perhaps you could send me a, a donation for the track to help him in the deaconry. I can see how foolish people can get. So he got the tracks free. He sent us back four or five tracks. Said, now perhaps we could give him a, a donation to help him in the deaconry. Well, he was among these that were seeking to enter in the kingdom. But something happened to turn him away. He wasn't, he wasn't seeking it with violence. Well, this is a sad thing. We see so many of these things happen. I think of others in the New York group that uh, were in the New York group aren't there now. They were seeking the kingdom, seeking to enter in, but they didn't enter in. They fell by the wayside. And I've seen so many of them. Sometimes you get to wondering if anybody's going to make it. I don't see the violence is necessary to take the kingdom. This is a really a serious thing with us. People who are taking it easy and coasting along and thinking they're going to make it are going to be terribly, terribly disappointed. We end up with wailing and gnashing of teeth. But it's hard to impress our minds with this fact. We think that by virtue of hanging on and and just going along that we're going to get there. Sister White says we're looking for a long stretch of tomorrow. And it isn't there. Another scripture here. This is Corinthians 129. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. Striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. Now that's how Paul made it. That's the kind of violence that Paul had. 
And now here's, a, here's another scripture, Hebrews 12:4. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood. We would take it by force as did Jacob. Now, we can better appreciate what all this adds up to. One more scripture. There's another one over here. Oh, I've already read it. Genesis 32, 26. And he said, no, I didn't read the scripture. He said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. What did Jacob manifest? He, he manifests an absolute set determination. And he wasn't going to let him go, whatever happens. Then, he said, we would take it by force as did Jacob. Then our message would be the power of God unto salvation. Well, I long to see this day when every Davidian can possess this power and we can put the devil to rout and uh, break down the barriers and break down the walls and so on. The walls of resistance. Now they stand up before us mocking at it because we don't have the power. We don't have the power because we're taking things too easy. I think maybe it'd be a good thing if the Lord brings some heavy persecution upon us. It'll really drive us to the Lord. Take away about half the food we have. Increase our need to be diligent in attending to the business he's given us. We're going to have to do something with all Davidians, for sure. Then our message would be the power of God unto salvation. Our supplications would be full of earnestness, full of a sense of our great need. And we would not be denied. God will not deny that kind of violence. The truth would be expressed by life and character and by lips touched with a living coal from off God's altar. When this experience is ours, we shall be lifted out of our poor, cheap selves that we have cherished so tenderly. This is what I see. I don't have to look at you. Our poor, cheap selves that we have cherished so tenderly, we shall empty our hearts of the corroding power of selfishness and shall be filled with praise and gratitude to God. We shall magnify the Lord, the God of all grace, who has magnified Christ. And he will reveal his power through us. Now what does it say you're going to become? And he will reveal his power through us, making us, Sharp sickles in the harvest field. Sharp sickles in the harvest field. Now, yeah, until you get to be a sharp sickle in the harvest field, you're not going to accomplish anything in the harvest field. See? You're just going to occupy. That Brother Hollis said about a couple he had out in the field, he just had them out there to keep them out of mischief. But I don't know whether he kept them out of mischief. I think maybe they got into more mischief out there than they kept out of. But you can develop a lot of ways that aren't the best unless you're a sharp sickle in the Lord's hand and have taken the kingdom by force. Well, I don't think I need to prolong this. I think that all that I've read really should open our eyes to our need and help us to be very uh, concerned and, and uh, not anxious, but concerned and determined to do the intelligent thing about it, to strive harder. See, that's what this says, strive harder. And this is the way that we're going to 
to make it, is to strive harder. Now, to strive harder, we've got to have more power, more grace. To get more grace and more power, we have to pray more and have more faith. So you can see now that this is a, this is a chain. And if one link in this chain is missing or broken, then you can see what happens. So we've got to get the chain together, and then the chain will work. Now, if you have any engine that has a chain uh, on it, well, if one link breaks, well, the chain's no good. Your bicycle, whatever it may be, you've got to have the chain intact with every link uh, solidly fastened to the other link. And then it'll work. You'll accomplish something. You'll develop some power. And this is the way it is now with us. We've got to get all these links together. Or as they say in the, in the parlance today, you've got to get all your marbles together. Everything in your mind, all, all these principles together, and then get them to work. We've got a big job to do, and now this calls upon us to call for us really get busy seriously and do something. All right, sharp sickles you want to be now. You're going forth tomorrow into the harvest field. You want to be sharp sickles. So you got some praying to do tonight. Be sure that you know that the Lord, that your sins are forgiven, that you know what your sins are, that you put them before the Lord and that you have the Lord's forgiveness. And you pray the Lord will create in you a clean heart, renew within your right spirit, and restore unto you the joy of salvation. Then you go forth tomorrow as a sharp sickle to see what the Lord can do. If there's any grain, any good grain, well, maybe you can cut the grain, bring it back, bring some sheaves home. I have a few moments. You have any vision about becoming a sharp sickle? Well, well, you want to be one of the 144,000. You're a Jacobite now. You want to become a prince for the Lord. You want to become Israel. Now you've got a metamorphosis to take place. Then you're going to be that new sharp threshing instrument. You see? Yes, Phyllis. I had that vision for a long time. Good. I'll keep working hard at it. All right. Who else has a word? I read a statement um, the other day. It said that um, the greatest obstacle to our gaining the kingdom was not the outside hindrances, but the inside hindrances. Oh, wow, that's sure true. Where'd you read that? It was in one of the TVs. Well, I had an old brother in Keene, Texas, he used to come over to Mount Carmel every now and then. And he was a typical Texan and had some Texan phrases. And he always shook his head. He said it was the internal condition. So we're always talking about the internal condition. That's what it is, the internal condition. Do you have anything else? Chapter Christ, page 47, says everything depends on the right use of the will. The will is the governing power in, in the nature of man. That's it. That's in volume five in the Ministry of Healing. I remember when this message first came along to me, uh, I read a number of these statements and I realized that you couldn't accomplish much, if anything, unless you spent much time praying. And I would never, never venture, and think to venture, to give a study without praying long, as long as I could. And I'd go out into the orange orchards and, and walk down the streets and and pray in the automobiles that drive into the meetings, any place, anywhere, just so I could pray and make sure that the Lord was going with me. So I was able to accomplish something. 
a little bit. And this is what we have to do. I look back upon those days and I think, well, as we go along, we tend to become more involved and busy and then our, our experience suffers from. We don't have what we should have because we don't pray enough. Well, the Lord was just the opposite. The more the Lord had to do, the more he prayed. Stayed up all night to pray. Mr. White says she prayed all night for her children. Often thought of I keep awake all night praying for my children. I don't know what happened to me the next day. But I think the Lord would keep me awake the next day. So I wake up sometimes praying for my children and others too. I don't seem to be any worse off the next day. Luther said that the better half of study is prayer. prayer. What number? What's the message say about those who accept the truth and are faithful to it? They'll have their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. All right. But we have that sure promise. And now there's a big gap between. There's something that has to be done for us. All right. You want to sing a song? Or you want to close now?